Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here with Aliza. Aliza, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Leave your mark, get set, let's go. Or is that on your mark, get set, let's go? But tell us about your... <laughs> I tell us, leave your mark. <laughs> I like leave your mark as well. Uh, tell us about the book um, in just a real quick story of the name, Leave Your Mark. Where did that come from? Well... Every morning, I stare at a coffee cup with red lipstick on it. <laughs> so that was my morning inspiration. Um, and I do think everyone, you know, I'm sure you have your morning ritual of liquid, whatever that may be. So for me, it's coffee. And when I decided that I wanted to write a mentorship um, for people, I thought, okay, well, this will be my way of grabbing coffee with everyone. Mm-hmm. You are the Senior Vice President of Global Communications of Donna Karen. I mean, unbelievable organization, by the way. Tell us about how you yes. found that career uh, and that opportunity to perform on a, on a global fashion scale. And by the way, just so you know, my wife will be listening uh, to this interview. She's a fashionista and really uh, will enjoy every minute of this presentation. So hats off to you for landing <laughs> such, a, such a great gig. Tell us how that came about. Uh, you know, sort of by accident, as some things do, I started in the magazine side of the industry and came to what I considered back then a dead end at the time. And I was young and, you know, probably a bit hasty. And I thought, well, if I'm not going to grow at this company, then I'm going to I'm going to move around. So I spoke to PR people all day long, being on the editorial side of a magazine. And I thought, well, you know, I know who I like to work with. So I sort of mirrored my my faux PR experience, if you will, based on who I like to work with in my day job. And then there was a position open at DKMY. This is now I've been here 17 years. So this is back in 98. And uh, someone recommended me and the rest is, as they say, history. Now, you have an interesting background, including uh, the University of Maryland, uh, where you had a BS in neurobiology and physiology. Tell us how that's playing into your career and possibly even the book. Okay, well, I, I'm sorry to say that while I have that experience, it's not really getting much airtime these days. Um, you know, it, you you know, you're you're you know, all of us are pressed early on to sort of know what we want to do, and I really did think that I wanted to be a plastic surgeon, um, but you know, having the hands-on experience that I did in college made me realize that it, in fact, was not the right path for me. Uh, although now as I get older, I'm sort of questioning that. Um, but, you know, I decided to make a switch and I sort of tried to do that very late in college. So I had to graduate with that degree and I don't use it very much now, I have to be honest. <laughs> mm. You have, however, tapped a nerve here with, with this concept of landing the dream job. Clearly, you have perhaps done that yourself. But how hard is it, do you think, realistically, uh, if, you, if you set the right tone and pace and aim yourself in the right direction to land your dream job? I think, like anything else, it takes being really strategic and understanding that 
you know, your power comes from the network that you build yourself. And you can't build a network without having a good reputation. So back in the day when I was trying to work my way up, I really did the work and I really made sure that the people around me valued me and what I did for the company so that I could build a strong foundation for future. So I do think that, you know, it's why I speak a lot about personal branding in Leave Your Mark, because I think that kids coming out of college today aren't thinking that way necessarily. Uh They're thinking, oh, I have to get a job, but, you know, I'm doing all these other fun things too. And I think the focus isn't, uh, isn't there necessarily to realize the importance of building that before you need it. What mistakes are people making as they even begin thinking about their career uh, and where they are now and how to get to the next level? I think the lines have blurred uh, incredibly between what is considered or what was traditionally considered professional and what was traditionally considered personal. And I think we can blame social media on that. You know, social media is an incredible weapon. It can be for good. It can be for mass destruction also. And you can really, really ruin your reputation by creating a quote-unquote personal social media profile that doesn't align with your professional brand. The fashion industry is, let's say, very tenacious as far as an industry is concerned, thinking of, of course, the Devil Wears Prada, which perhaps glorify this intense attitude. But do you think the fashion industry is very different from other industries, or, or is your book and your thought that you know, getting the, landing the green, uh, leaving your mark and landing uh, the, the, the dream job is something that is as challenging in, India, in any industry, really? I think it's challenging in any industry, and I also think that, you know, fashion, I mean, you know, The Devil Wears Prada was a great movie, and there is, and there is merit to it. But at the same time, I think that exists in no matter any industry you look at. Uh, you have, you know, great people and then maybe not so great people, and dealing with office politics is, is not just a fashion situation. But I think, you know, your reputation, I was saying this the other day, it doesn't follow you everywhere. It arrives before you do. So you have to think about that. I want to go back to your comment on you know your your circle, your 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 crowd, if you will, your fans, your followers. How important is that as you begin accelerating your career to to build that network, to work hard on it, to reach out to other people, follow other people? How instrumental must that be uh, in in any pursuit of of, of of advancing your career? I think it's industry dependent. In public relations, it's extremely important because what you'll find in social media is that journalists are on Twitter all day and they're looking for content and they're looking for sources and you can learn an awful lot about how to pitch or what people are interested in just by following your contacts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. If you are in a profession that's more private like finance, for example, or law, No, I don't think you need to have a social media presence. I think a lot of them probably would look down upon it and probably don't want to be that public person. So I think it depends on, you know, I, I, I think you need to think about what's the end goal here? Are you trying to build your name? Are you trying to build a brand? Are you trying to launch something? Or are you just doing it for fun? On the other side of the coin, how important is it for an employer to hire a key executive that has 
uh, a social presence and, and, and positive reputation, uh, particularly if that person is in the sales or marketing type of industry, which involves, of course, the type of global communications that you may be talking about? I think with sales and marketing, it's pretty essential. I think a great social media presence very clearly draws a picture of your network. And in sales and in marketing and in PR, you're only as good as your network. You're only as good as the connections you have. You know, a lot of times you might have to promote something that isn't that great. And how are you going to do that if you don't have great friends in the business who are going to help you no matter what? Mm-hmm. And by the way, do you attribute a lot of your own success and, and do you give advice for people for actually asking for help? And, you know, not many people are doing that these days, in my opinion. They're trying to do it on their own and, and, and make their own success and not bother other people. Uh, but how important is it to, to lean on other people uh, to, to help pull you up the ladder? I think it's important to lean on other people. And I think, you know, the word mentor is so trendy right now, but I think it's not about finding one. It's about having a sounding board of many different types of people. But at the same time, you you can't just be a taker. You also have to be someone who is willing to make the same kinds of connections for your peers that you're asking of others because it has to be a two-way street. Back in the old days of networking, you know, a common thread was introducing people to other people and helping them by connecting dots and you know, aligning like-minded people even if they were at different socioeconomic levels and or you know, uh, other levels. Is that happening, do you think, in the social media sphere? And how important is that? I think that? it very much is. I think it, it makes it, it just helps you. The more people you can help and connect, the bigger your network is. And I think it's an essential ingredient in being successful. Let's, let's jump into the fashion industry for one second. Is it changing mm-hmm. radically? Is, is, is the time to market, for example, is as big of a thing uh, you know, that, that we're seeing now with, with, uh, with getting fashion out fast? What's the marketplace look like right now and what's hot You know, I think fashion is evolving, but it doesn't evolve as quickly as maybe it should. You know, the fashion industry embraced social media back in 2010. You know, we started, DKNY started in 2009. We were a little bit ahead of the curve. From a technology standpoint, we play, but it's not really changing the back end of process as much as maybe it could be. So I think as a whole, the fashion industry needs to continue to sort of push themselves forward using tech because I think it would make so many areas of the business much more efficient. But, you know, people are sort of set in their ways. And I think there's, the market is so saturated and there's so many people and so many brands doing amazing things. And there's not a stigma anymore to dressing high-low. Like, I'm sure your wife will, you know, run into Zara and buy a pair of pants just as easily as she would buy maybe, like, a Chanel handbag, right? So I think, you know, that stigma is gone, and and that's, that's maybe a great thing because, you know, there's more options, but at the same time, it's just harder for brands to um, make an impact because people aren't buying wardrobes from one brand. They're, you know, they're cherry-picking what they like. Mm-hmm. Do you see a day when social media is going to drive fashion? I think social media is 
now an essential component of communications. I don't think that we can look at PR anymore as just one way, and we certainly don't over here. It is, it is part of the plan, and that direct-to-consumer communication is hugely powerful, and um, I think it has changed the way a lot of publicists do their jobs, actually. Hmm. What about the concept of, uh, you know, using social media to crowdsource, uh, you know, certain styles or patterns or before they even go to production and getting a feel for the marketplace? Is that, that maybe that's happening now, you know, sort of old school focus group testing, but, you know, are, 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 are big fashion companies, you know, using social media to, to find out what people are liking and color trends and, you know, I remember, for example, the Pantone matching system coming out with a color of the year and then the color of the season and the color of the month, you know, and, and, and stu- <laughs> studying what's what's going on, uh, you know, with, with, with crowds and, and what's next. You know, is the crowd going to be used for that, in your opinion? I think people have dabbled in it. I, personally, I think at the end of the day, if you have a very prolific designer, mm. you, you, you want to keep – the inspiration coming from that person. And I think, you know, as much as the public loves to participate in a crowdsourcing um, project, because everyone loves giving their opinion, right? But as much as they love to do that, I think they also love the aspirational factor of what designers bring to them. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I, I think a lot of times brands will do it as more of just a PR ploy, or PR play, maybe I should say, where mm-hmm. they would like to have the buzz around a certain style that they're looking to promote. But I will tell you that saying that you like something or saying what color something should be does not directly translate to sales. Because those people who are giving their opinion, unless they are right then and there putting down their credit card, which they're not, it doesn't mean in four months from now when that comes out, they're going to buy it. I would love to ask what your husband does, and here's why, like what industry he's in. I find the fashion industry to be this incredible cult that's almost hard to break into or understand. You know, you know, my wife's fascination with the Kardashians is mind-boggling to me, and I'm in the sales and marketing industry, so and I understand all of this, but you know, do you yeah. find that an interesting balance? And, and what does your household look like, fashion? And I'm not sure what his uh, forte or expertise is. You know, I'm so glad you asked me this question so I can say this publicly. We have a very hilarious, hilarious marriage of fashion person and sports person, mm. meaning that my husband thinks that what one would wear to the gym is also clothing for like full time. So on Saturday night, I'll put on like an adorable little dress and he'll be like in a Nike t-shirt. And I, and my son will always say, are you guys going to the same place? (laughs) You guys don't look like you're going out together. So we are opposites in that sense. Sometimes it's problematic. Uh, but you know, I, I've sort of, I, we've been together a very long time. So now I sort of am resigned to know that like, I'm not cracking that code with him. Now, is he cozy and, and okay with the five Hermes handbags that you own? <laughs> and is, I, is he, to is be he clear, a... I don't even own one. So he's very comfortable with that. See, that was um, a trick question. You know, I, you know yeah, was, he, I, he's been very spoiled. He's been spoiled. I, I have had an amazing wardrobe throughout my career, Donna Karen, and 
that's part of the job, right? You wear the clothes, you represent the brand. So he's not used to a real shopper because I've kind of been shopping in one place this whole time. And, you know, that's one of the perks. So he, he doesn't know what, what, uh, what might come in the future if one day, you know, I don't work here. So he's been spoiled. Let's just say that. Well, I hope that happens to both you and him because he, he, you're a very influential person and you've seen a fashion from the inside out and you certainly should be wearing the, the, the colors and the stripes that you preach every day. So uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, but tell me more. Um, but Yeah, go ahead, please. Sorry. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, you know, more interesting than the discrepancy in the fashion between my husband and I, I think is 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 how he reacted to the social media aspect of my job because you know back in 2009 people weren't on Twitter as and and or or as 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 101 as they are now and he used to sort of make fun of me and and say things like oh are you talking to your fake friends again and i would be like they're not my fake friends they're people like I, I know them. And he'd be like, really? Well, if you saw them on the street, would you know what the, who they were? And I was like, no. <laughs> so it, he's come around a long way with that, too, because he didn't understand the purpose of Twitter back then. Eliza, it, it, it's funny you should be saying that because he, my wife is actually a global a VP of global sales for a very large telecommunications company and has 650 people that report to her. And they're very in tune with everything she wow. does. Yet she is basically very anti-Facebook. She's anti she's, – she's, I brought her into LinkedIn and she gets that. She understands the importance on that. She knows some very powerful people that have been buying you know, million to $10 million contracts with her. She's got a, almost a billion dollars of revenue under her, under her belt and her responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yet she is completely against this. And here I am in this sort of marketing business. Uh, you know, with with life tips and and writer access, another company that I own, and some other stuff, and like it's important that I have a presence out there. You know, we have we have ten thousand freelance writers and fifteen thousand customers at at writer access, and they they they're fascinated with with anybody they're doing business with, right? Not just me, but uh, mm-hmm. so this is mm-hmm. this is a lot of tension in our household. For example, we were just in Greece. I can't post live on Greece because she's convinced burglars, you know, stalk Facebook and look for people that are traveling, you know, so it's, Oh my it's, God, wait, she, she must be my mother because my yeah. mother thinks this too. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, as, as crazy as it sounds, I almost, you know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, you know, listen, I think there is a fine line, uh, between what you make public and what you don't. And, there's something to be said. If you're not going to be home, maybe you don't want to draw attention to that. I don't know. I think she has something there. Maybe there's some balance. Thanks for being on her side. I hope you meet her sometime. Yeah, sorry. balance. <laughs> That's good. Good balance for us both, perhaps. Uh, back to the project. I mean, you know, did, did you bring, you know, the fashion – was the fashion industry when you wrote this book in the back of your mind all the time since you've been so entrenched in it? Do you think it's an ideal book for, for women and men to read that are in the fashion industry uh, that, you know, are, are they looking to the book for, for clues and answers with, with progressing upward? I think certainly people who want to work in fashion will find it interesting, but the use of the narrative was really just to propel the story and to pull out the advice. Because I do always say that fashion is a lot like a boot camp because, you know, it's very extreme 
in practice. You know, the hours are crazy. The demands are crazy. You kind of have to do whatever it takes to get it done. There's always these ridiculous mishaps that seem to happen that, that sort of make you channel superhuman powers to fix things, or at least maybe this is just in my world. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I think the advice it transcends fashion, and it, it really is across any industry. And quite honestly, I gave the book to my boss at the time. I gave it to other people who are well, way older than me who actually learned a lot from the social media portion of it and the personal branding part of it. So I think it's like a mixed bag. Let's take a break, and when we come back, I want to ask you about your, your, your tone and your style and your voice that you bring to the social media front. Back in just a minute, everybody. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Hi, we're back with Eliza. Eliza, welcome back. Really happy to have you on the show today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Right on. So, in general, you know, how did you learn to develop this fabulous voice that's followed like by a gajillion people on the web? You know, was it just you being you, or did you have to really study 
the ins and the outs of social media to develop this wonderful presence that you have and fans that you've developed? Well, to be perfectly honest, it really just is my personality. <laughs> I think what I learned through the process, yes, I have a very friendly personality. I do. <laughs> what I learned through the process is how my natural personality relates in social media. So, for example, one of the reasons why I created this pretend sarcasm font, which I don't know if you know, but it's like parentheses, asterisk, S, is because I can be sarcastic. And when you're representing a brand and you have, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers, you don't want your words to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So I would put this little mark at the end of a tweet just to make sure people understood I'm being funny here. Like, don't take this too seriously. I think, you know, like anything else, you, it's trial and error. There's plenty of posts that I did that didn't make anybody laugh or didn't generate the engagement that I thought they would. I have plenty of posts, as I say, on the cutting room floor of things that I might have written in haste or in a bit of venting and then thought to myself, I better not post that and then just deleted it. So it's not a perfect science, but I think as you, you know, when you sit in the platform all day and I do have a separate monitor for Twitter, you, you really learn what works and what doesn't. So, and especially being, you know, the brand being so ingrained in me, it's very easy for me to understand how to sort of use myself as a filter for the world of Donna Karen. Is that mark that you invented in Wikipedia? And is there any way to get a trademark on that so you can make like one penny every time someone uses it? You know what? It's not. But the Wall Street Journal did write about it. So it is documented as something I made. But no, I haven't done anything with it. I'm thinking trademark here, Maybe. seriously. <laughs> Maybe quite. I should. I don't think uh, anyone's using it, though, Byron. <laughs> we me. have to get that out there. You know, it's funny. The, the, there is so much misread, to your point earlier, about language interpretation yeah. and emails. This is what we need. There, there's, no, there's no tone. There's no voice. There's no undulation of, of any tone when you write, right? It's just a bunch of blank words. People can't tell or sense any of your emotion. It's awful. We need to change that. And I, and I, and I think someone will eventually uh, create a typeface, perhaps, that has undulation to it or something. I'm not sure how it will it, play it out. It is necessary. It is. You can get in a lot of trouble. You can get in a lot of trouble. Even in business, you know, email sometimes, you know, I don't know if you feel this way, but I think if you write the word thanks without an exclamation point, mm-hmm. it almost sounds rude. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. thanks. Well, not. we were just studying another comment that hope this helps, you know, an ending. Like, we analyzed that at one of the managers here, and we were because we had an employee that was using that, and it was like, "Hope this helps." Like, you know, like if it doesn't help, I don't really care, you know. So, but I hope it helps. But if it doesn't, I don't really care, you know. So, we analyzed that. We we had to said we had to find the right delicate way to tell this person that that might not be a good a good signature because she was using it all the time. Hope this helps. Hope this helps. You know. Like, Throwing out hope. That's so interesting. And so we crafted this. She's just throwing out hope. 
Well, it was funny. It was somebody in customer service, and we, yeah, we, we, we crafted that. It was like, we're actually not in the business of delivering hope to our customers. You know? <laughs> we, in fact, deliver you know, high-quality <gasps> service. It was this wonderful thing, and we were very concerned because she had used it so many times. You know? and, and anyway, I'm sorry I went off on a tangent there. That what, is so funny, though. <laughs> the, um, so I wanted to ask about the type of audience that you wrote the book for. I mean, in your wildest imaginations, would it be applicable to everyone at every level of their careers, or did you gear it more towards younger people? I mean, it's just a great read for everybody, but tell me what your your desired target audience was. My desired target audience was men and women either in college or just starting their careers on the first half of the book because – that really was the sort of landing your dream job and then killing it part. And the second half of the book really is geared older because those kids know how to do social media mm-hmm. because they were born with it. But at the same time, you know, I think the part of the second half of the book as it relates to them is, is really understanding how they can ruin their profession with their social media. So, so that is applicable to them, but the rest of it can really be ageless. Because I have so many people who are, who are not necessarily in the business of communications or in fashion and are constantly saying, well, I don't understand Twitter. How do I tweet? Or I want to build a social profile, but I find it so difficult. And, and just understanding the ins and outs of that I think is great for someone who has a small business and doesn't you know, have the money to, let's say, hire an agency to do all that for them. So I think, I think it transcends age a bit toward the end of the book, but... You know, obviously, I hope that, you know, a lot of different people read it. If you had to choose a, a, maybe two of the following four skills that you would want people to focus on, what would they be? Hardworking or social wizardry mm-hmm. or Mm-mm. deep mm-hmm. knowledge, uh, industry knowledge, or massive reach <laughs> socially. Different from social um, wizardry, which is more like crafting great communication versus massive audience and reach. What would, what would the two would you pick? First and, form- first and foremost, I would recommend that everyone considers what their personal brand means to other people and mm-hmm. what they want it to mean. Mm-hmm. That's number one. The second thing is I believe that if you want to be successful, you should have what I call an owner's mentality. And that means that you work as hard and you are as dedicated as the person who owns that company. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And, and how does social play into it? And is it absolutely going to become indispensable uh, and, and what and define what skills you're talking about? Is it broad reach? Is it you know uh, you know big circle, connected circle, interactive interactivity with the circle? Like, what do you want people to work on in the social sphere, particularly younger folks that are starting to you know may perhaps stop you know their swearing and their downers on life and and starting to actually write meaningful things that make life better which is, by the way, an important transition that I'm seeing with my, uh, you know, the 20-year-old son. Right. I, I think 
I think that with regard to social media, it is not at all about number of friends, number of followers, or any of that. It's about surrounding yourself with people that you can learn and grow from. So, for example, when I, when I knew the book was coming out in a few months, I started a Twitter handle for the book because I feel like having a Twitter handle for something that you're launching is almost like having its home base. Like, this is where my book lives, in this Twitter handle. So, you know, I started following people that write books. I started following people that review books. I started following all different sorts of related genres to the book so that I could educate myself because I've never written a book before. And, and, and it was really helpful. You, you learn so much by watching other people. So I think social media, first and foremost, is for network building and for self-education. Would it's you, so much easier to yeah. reach out to someone on social media than it is via email. It just is. I want to ask you just a final question here as we close out. When you meet somebody young and you see them immediately display being thoughtful and considerate and kind and caring and well-mannered, don't you just say to yourself, that person has incredible potential in life? Or is that just me? Am I trying – if I say that? Don't you th- <laughs> No, I think, I think you're right, but I think that's, you know what that really means? That means you don't come across that very often, that you're just so impressed that you feel like they're going to be this super Exactly. I think that's probably the case. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that should be more often than not, but I hear your point. I get your point, and, definitely. And I think that's an important part of your book and what people are saying about your book, you know, is, you know, winning, you know, smoking the competition, if you will, with grace and honesty and, and you know, excelling in your career with wit and hard work. And by the way, wit is sort of interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on how that plays in. I think people that are witty and fun to be around and laugh a lot and make people laugh are critical elements to, to success in the marketplace. Don't you agree? I totally agree. And that's because, you know what? It's hard to go to work every day. I mean, work is a grind, right? I mean, I don't care what you work. I mean, my job is incredible, but at the same time, Monday morning, I'm like ready to jump off something short really quickly, you know? So it's, and especially pre-coffee. So I think that wit, you know, wit reminds everyone that we're probably not saving lives here, but, you know, it's just, it just adds that little bit of like, human touch to it that's just a bit of levity in the work day i mean so many times i'll send an email and i'll crack a joke and someone will be like oh thanks i needed that you know and i find that that happens a lot because people just get so bogged down by just the volume of emails alone just emails like just one you know so yeah i think wit wit is is really important and um you know i think not taking yourself too seriously and, and, and watching the ego, of course, is important. And, you know, just, you know, just doing the job. You know, people don't want to work with people who don't work hard. I've often wanted to recommend to people that they CC themselves on every email they send out so they can quickly realize that probably 60% of the emails that they're sending are just not worth reading. It's crazy, but I really <laughs> believe that. <laughs> I think people That write- would be really frightening for me. I know. Well, I, I no, do it's true. It, there's a, this obligation to go to work and to feel busy and to feel productive and to, you know, I think do too much. 
you know, uh, and, and to say too much to feel like you're having a productive day or something. Like, I don't get it. You know, communication should be tight and short and simple, particularly if you're trying to service people. They don't have time to read your five-paragraph explanation as to why you can't help them. They just want to hear that you can't help them. You know what I mean? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I am very brief on email. You'll be happy to know. Sometimes, though, when you're dealing with people in other countries, they can view that as rude, though. Like, I'll have to go back in and write, hi, how are you? (laughs) Because I'll just write, you know, the message. Instead of the salutation. If you had one nugget from your book that you wanted to build a TED Talk around, and by the way, you are a TED Talk speaker. Congratulations for that. But if if you if you had a nugget, uh, you know what would it be? Give give us a a, give us a motivators to march out and buy this book. I think it would definitely be about personal branding because I think that people assume that when they present themselves a certain way, that is how the message is being perceived. And part of my day job is aligning what we want people to think about our brand with what they really think and making sure that the intended message is received. So it would definitely be about personal branding. I think, you know, Every day you get up in the morning and you interact with people. It doesn't have to be at work. It could be at school. It could be in a grocery store. You know, the ability to put your best foot forward every day, every time you don't, you are hurting your personal brand. And it doesn't matter if you're the most perfect person in the workplace. If you're rude to a waiter in a restaurant, that's hurting your personal brand. So I feel really strongly about having a very holistic view in personal branding and really uh, self-critiquing. And in the book, I tell people to write their own bios so they can sort of read about what they sound like to other people in, in just, you know, what they've accomplished and things like that. And I think self-reflection is really important. I mean, I do it all the time and I make a million mistakes and I try to correct them, but I don't think people do that enough. It's funny how the parallel works. Did you ever think about the concept of, you know, fashion defining who you are, which I believe in many cases, but also you wanting to seize the moment where your actions also define who you are. And isn't really that what your book is all about? It is. It is. It's your actions and your words. And, Uh you know, fashion to me is just a visual extension of your personality. It's a great tool. I was just thinking, first of all, it's been such a joy to talk with you today. I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Same here. Same here. I've got a fun... I've got a fun challenge for you to think about, you know, obviously, so we were talking about my wife a little bit and I think it'd be really interesting for you to think about a job swap sometime where my wife immerses herself in your job for that dreaded Monday morning and you immerse yourself in my wife's job for the similar dreaded morning morning. where you both experience other other worlds. Maybe it's more than just a day. Maybe it's for a week. But the concept would be let my wife think if she can think of ideas that would help your company sell better, sell smarter, whereas you could think of companies to help intercall her company be a better global communicator and, and using some of the tips and lessons that I'm sure her 600 people working for you would love to hear from your book. Uh, so maybe you can think about that. A job swap with my wife. What I think that is 
genius. And I, I also want to know who's filming that because you know that has to be shot. <laughs> I think it should. I think let's let's say nothing more than this at this time. Let's let's talk again about this. I think it's very interesting. My wife has truly dreamed of a job in the fashion industry. Um, she's an amazingly talented person. But your your skills, mind you, are reaching. I think. Uh, you know, uh, corporations, this book you wrote, I mean, it's, it's really all about taking your career to the next level. And that's what people want to hear. You know, they want a leader. They want to have inspiration from people like you on how to take it to the next level. And clearly you've done that. I think that, um, I think it would be good fun. So let's talk about that again. What do you say? Sounds good. And thank you so much. This is, this was great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Eliza. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Um, I, I have two questions that I leave all of these shows with, and that's who do you want to get a hold of you and how can they get a hold of you? My website is alizalicht.com, A-L-I-Z-A-L-I-C-H-T.com. And on the website, there's an Ask Aliza button, and that goes right to my email. So if anyone has any questions, they can feel free. Aliza, thanks for being on the show today. I hope everyone's life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. And thanks for tuning in. We'll look forward to seeing you and hearing hearing from us next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.